Hello and welcome to The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. On this corner of the internet, we dive into the depths of films, games, anime and TV shows through a black British lens. I'm Ram, a self-confessed film buff, fast reader and amateur hashtag gamer girl. And I'm Levi, I've got a new comic book addiction and a very old gaming addiction. Let's get into it. Boondocks. One of the most iconic cartoons of a black family of all time, and arguably the most timeless. You'd be hard pressed to find a black person who hasn't seen at least one episode of this highly quotable series, and with good reason. Series creator Aaron Magruder did a great job at bringing the black experience to life through the eyes of many different black characters. He was able to walk the fine line of bringing up serious issues in the black community without losing the gravity of such issues, but also without becoming too virtuous. This show was very formative to me, and I'm sure it was to many of my age mates. And to this day, there hasn't been any show that has been as impactful since. That being said, let's take a look back at the history of the series and find out, did the boondocks age like wine or like milk? Yeah, let's start with a little information about the creator of this franchise. Aaron Magruder is a cartoonist, producer, and writer who's best known for his work on the Boondocks, but has also done other notable works such as The Red Tails, which he he wrote the screenplay for, and Black Jesus, which he was the creator for. He lived in Chicago, Illinois, until he was six when he moved to Maryland. He has stated that even though his time in Chicago did not really shape him as a human being, the contrast between the environments was part inspiration for the boondocks. Not too much is known about his private life. He did, however, attain a degree in African-American studies. The boondocks began as a newspaper comic strip launched in February 6, 1996 until March 18, 1997 in his university newspaper, which was called Diamondback. It then appeared in hip-hop magazine The Source before being picked up by the Universal Press Syndicate due to subject matter, though it was sometimes skipped in some newspapers. There was a lot of controversy surrounding um, the comic strip. Mm -hmm. Although it was skipped, it did go on to feature in more than 250 newspapers around the country and online. Point to note is Huey never smiles in the comic at all. Although in the show, he, um, he, I definitely remember him smiling once. I, I feel could... like he's laughed. Has Maybe he? he hasn't laughed. <laughs> I don't know. Why am I picturing? I, I feel like I have to go back. I don't know. I think he's. Sm- I, f- I remember him smiling, but his eyes never changed. I mean, I was saying to you the other day that Huey's going to age terribly <laughs> because his eyebrows are always furrowed. And I just feel like that's not good for your wrinkles. Did you ever do any like research into Aaron Magruder when you was younger when you was watching the show? Nope. I feel like because I like I was trying to pinpoint um because I was asking my brother as well. I don't remember how I start started watching Boondocks. I know that I was watching it at an age where I was too young to be watching it because it was one of those things that I wouldn't really 
would hide that I was watching it. So I have a feeling that I watched it on, you know, like Cartoon Network when they had like the adult swim shows basically after a certain time. Because mm-hmm. I used to sneak downstairs to go watch TV. <laughs> and I feel like that's where I must have watched it because I don't know. I literally cannot remember how I came across it. So to me, it felt very random. I don't think I really looked into Aaron Magruder himself until I was revisiting Boondocks, I guess, actually, as an adult, which was like a few years ago when I was working at Southbank Centre, actually. Um, and I used to have Huey on the back of my phone as like my phone case. And one of my managers at the time, which is how I got the collection of um, one all of, of one the... Of yeah, one of the collections, which features all of the original kind of... Um, newspaper prints um she was like talking about him and how she'd gone to like a few talks that he went to and how he was such a like interesting young man and stuff um and then I was like oh yeah like I wonder how he came across like I don't know he, I think he's just a very interesting person <laughs> an interesting writer um and even in doing research for this episode it was quite interesting to see like a lot of the challenges that he had with like the networks was like he writes at his own pace that he was kind of falling out of love with like not so much the comic strip itself but having to work to deadlines and all that kind of stuff which I found intriguing but before that I just don't think I ever really thought about it that much until it was like oh why aren't there more Boondocks episodes and then it was like oh there was issues with the network and then yeah yeah um I only asked that because I remember when I I I couldn't remember exactly how I started watching the show I definitely remember which episode it was um, I think it was probably just like playground talk. I do remember seeing quotes of the show before I actually watched the full episode. I got into it like midway through when season three was coming out, mm. but I didn't have access to Cartoon Network and stuff like that. So I was watching these things online. I mean, I might have watched it. I literally, I, for the life of me, I cannot remember, but I do know that the first episode I watched was the first episode. Oh, that's interesting. See, the um, first episode I watched was Distinct Mina Returns one. Oh, yeah. No, the first episode I ever watched was the first episode because I always remember the... I think it's an episode, actually, that I've watched a lot of times as well because I, I vividly remember it beat by beat for beat compared to other episodes, which have kind of, like, faded from my memory slightly. Huh, that's interesting. I just I think it was during my anime phase because I do remember watching the, this part two of Distinct Mina one and I knew that I could tell there was a part one, but I'd never gone to watch it. And I remember like binging season two and then going and watching the f- part one and being like, okay. I, I mean, in hindsight, I still I still really enjoyed it, but I, that, it's just a very um, a vivid memory to me. Mm. But yeah, back to Magruder, just another fact. Um, he stated that he didn't want to touch on some topics due to him wanting to work in hollywood in the future which i think is quite funny yeah i also appreciate his honesty i think in doing more research about him like him having this line and just him being very like transparent about the fact that he didn't really like certain deadlines that he was very i think a lot of like writers who start off with like something amazing in a show they tend to like slowly assimilate to whatever it is Hollywood is like that I don't feel like many of them are upfront of like ah, I probably would write about this but actually I have a future career that I want to protect so therefore I'm not going to write about this subject or this subject or this subject but also it's funny because there's a lot of subjects in Boondocks that I'm like oh <laughs> that's kind of wild I think he also said that that's another reason that he didn't write about Oprah very often like in a bad 
criticizing way as well. Yeah, I, I think a thing that we'll talk about that maybe might just be true for us is being um, being like, you know, from from the UK. There are some things that like we kind of understand, but maybe not to the full effect, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. A sad note of like growing up in the UK is watching American shows and sitcoms and then like all of those references and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, uh, you know, like Simpsons and, and Family Guy and, you know, they always lay, lay off these kind of household names and things like that. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the equivalent of, of like someone talk about Phil Mitchell from EastEnders or something, I guess. Yeah. Um, onto the show. So obviously the comic was still going while the show was essentially running. Aaron actually had, Aaron Magruder had deals with various um, networks to put the show out. His first deal, I believe, was with Fox, which they produced an, a whole pilot of the show in 2003. Um, Aaron describes it as a hellish experience. You, you touched on his, his work ethic and rate before, and I feel like that is literally a um, continuous uh, theme throughout <laughs> the whole of this, not just the um, show, but the whole comic, the whole thing's existence, really. But yeah, so a uh, pilot was created. I don't think it ever aired. This pilot was created with Reginald Hudlin, who was the president of BT during that time, between 05 and 08, which is ironic during due to some of the episodes in the boondocks. I believe they were friends from college or something of that nature. Um, but this is actually the only time uh, Reginald worked on the show, but he was contractually you know, obliged to appear in all the credits after that. And I don't know why that, that's interesting to me, because that's one of those names that like you just remember from... You, if you think of certain shows, you just remember certain names that are... That are on the credits and and, and Reginald Hudnam was always the one after um Aaron Magruder and you're like who is that guy what did yeah. he what did he um I always found that um because I didn't realize that until doing research for this episode so I was like oh like he is one of the names I was like oh yeah Aaron Magruder and Reginald and because I knew about Black Panther and like him writing on it I was like oh that makes sense but then it's like oh he's not actually that involved and then when you think about like later episodes where obviously they had that BET episode with Reggie Hudnam <laughs> you're like oh not sure if they're friends anymore yeah yeah that's true but yeah so after that the show was picked up and distributed by sony in 2005 i think a big issue with it on fox is they really wanted the show to be quite television e they wanted it to be able to appeal to a wider audience one of the big differences between the show and comic is that in the show it, it kind of focuses more on Riley and Grandad with Huey sort of being like the narrator. I believe maybe one episode a season Riley would narrate, but essentially um, Huey is the straight man. Whereas in the comic strips, they focus a lot more on Huey and they generally just are a lot more politically charged. But Gruda has stated that the comic was initially supposed to be more like the TV show is, but 9-11 sort of changed that. I mean, you can, I've read through, I've glossed through some of these comics and you can definitely feel a very big tonal shift. The show feels more timeless mm-hmm. and more like general sort of issues and things in the mm-hmm. commu- in the black communities and, and things of that nature. Yeah. The, the comic seems to be much more like poking fun at, you know. More topical. Yeah, more topical. That's, yeah. that's the term. I'm, I think I'm, that's like super interesting as well because Ira Magruder also talks about how he likes that they went in different directions and that 
it got to a stage where they weren't really meant to influence each other and that the comic was one thing and that the TV show was another thing. And I think that's something that a lot more creatives should apply to their work because I think that sometimes you have to think about like the medium and how things are different. It's like, you know, when for a while it felt like some MCU comics were like, MCU, see? Some Marvel comics were kind of like <laughs> doing that weird thing of like crossing over with um, with the MCU as well. And it's like, actually, we should treat them as like completely different things. Obviously, they share like common ideas and stuff. But I think a lot of people, yeah, just don't really think about the medium that they're working in. And I think it also just meant that each one had its like specific identity. And obviously, again, there's like roots. There's a lot of characters in the comic strips that aren't in the show and vice versa, but it, it makes the show better for that. And yeah. Yeah. That being said, though, Towards the end of the comics run, not only was it quite apparent that like Aaron had fallen out of love or he maybe he was being overworked, like the the comics started to phase out other characters mm -hmm. and reduce the characters in each strip, but also he did start to introduce characters from the show into the comic to make it more homogenized. But I uh, speculation, maybe that's because he was tired and he was trying to sync them up so you could maybe produce more comic strips without having to diversify too much it's like it's, it could be almost like writing two different shows so just little things like i'm not sure people know but riley doesn't have cameras in the in the comics mm -hmm. only towards the end it started to become a mainstay he actually just has like but he does have a, a chapter where he's like oh i'm thinking of growing out my hair and then huey asks like granddad doesn't really say anything and he's like well he didn't say no yeah, he grows it out in the show in yeah. the comic, but it's like it's like it's a not, yeah, it's like a like I don't know what you call it, like a like a I don't know. I don't want to say girly perm, but it's like <laughs> yeah. And also Uncle Uncle Ruckus was not in the comics until very later on in the in the comics run. In terms of distribution, Mike Lazo, who was the president of Adult Swim at the time, stumbled upon the pilot, which was the pilot for Fox, uh, which he actually liked. The only thing that he wasn't a fan of was that whole television networky vibe that the pilot had so he instantly ordered a 15 episode season and gave Aaron creative freedom which I think is quite neat mm -hmm. it's such a it can be such a layered show not only that but outside of the writing there was you know it, it, it's such a like beautiful show to look at essentially mm -hmm. especially for you know a show that's based in the west I, I was gonna say a western show but I feel like it was animated by a uh, yeah, he did have a lot of, um, like, anime studios. Um, in fact, that episode that you're talking about, The Return of Stink Mina, some of those scenes were animated. I think it was Bones. Madhouse. One of Madhouse, them. Yeah. yeah. One of those two. But also he did say that as, like, he didn't want the... Sh A, he wanted the show to just look really good. Because even if you didn't want to stay for the content, he wanted people to be able to, like, look at the show and just be like, eh, I might not like what they're saying, but actually this show looks banging. Um, and also for it to be timeless, which is something that like he talks about a lot as well of like, you can watch Boondocks now and obviously it looks a little bit old, but it still doesn't, it hasn't aged badly at all. Mm, um, mm, and mm. he also wanted it to, to stand out from all the other things that were on TV that were animated, especially since I think around that time, that's when more adult animated shows were kind of coming out, but they all were kind of looked quite the same. So yeah, to differentiate it. So it is quite a beautiful show. I imagine it takes a lot of time. Uh, for me as well, that the anime inspiration was a big part of what got me into the show in the first place. I this was around the time maybe when I had just 
found out about Naruto and Bleach, not even One Piece. So I was very early in and I, early in my like cartoon watching as a well, I was a teenager then, but you know what I mean, not watching children cartoons. And I do remember just there is something about especially Western cartoons that like they just they just don't animate very well. Mm. Um, they're very blocky kind of vibes if if you follow what I'm saying. And I do remember being like, this is uh anime inspired show with black references that I actually understand and just I'm thinking what 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 is like this right now? And I do think it came out at a perfect time to be fair, like the emergence of like you said, and adult animation and the emergence of anime in general. Um, you know, a lot of black people love anime. <laughs> so, you know, it came out at the time, I would say. So I'm sure we are all aware of the star-studded cast that is in the boondocks. I wanted to get a list of guest appearances and I realised it's just, I would, we would have been here all day. So I'm going to stick to the main cast and... As we go on, we may, you know, we'll mention some of the guest appearances. So we have the amazing Regina King as both Huey and Riley Freeman. And boy, does she do a stellar job at both. Fun fact, she was only actually on board to play Riley. Alicia Keys was allegedly supposed to play Huey Freeman. And I feel like I, I can imagine it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like in the first season, and what we might talk about this later as well, so forgive me if I'm jumping ahead. I feel like Regina did Riley's voice very well. Huey's a bit more rocky in the first season, and I feel like it's not until we got into the second season that it felt they both had very distinct voices, and I feel like Huey got his more, like, serious kind ofness in him. So I can see how Alicia Keys might have, yeah, been able to bring that in the first season i i always felt like in this first season regina king's riley voice was much stronger than her huey voice. yeah it, it her her huey felt like a riley yeah trying to behave kind of thing yeah. they but you know again this is his voice acting is especially when you're voicing two of the main characters mm-hmm. as well but you know she like you said she definitely um she definitely patterned up in the second season as, as they say but yes we had john witherspoon r.i.p as granddad we had gary williams as uncle ruckus possibly one of the most devoted voice actors <laughs> um and cedric Yardbrough as tom dubois we had a jill talia sarah dubois and gabby sole as jasmine dubois who was eight years old at the time so she was the only child uh there was some facts about you know um i can't remember who it was I don't think it was Aaron Magruder, but they had to apologise to her about all the foul language <laughs> that she had to be around. But yeah, so guest appearances, there were many, uh, some including Samuel Jackson, Monique, we had Yaya Bay, we had Charlie Murphy, we had CeeLo Green, these are off the top of my head right now, we had Lil Wayne, we had Michael B. Jordan. Now I want to play a game of who can I remember off the top of my head. Oh, Buster Rhymes. <laughs> there was a lot of guest appearances. This was a very popular show. Do you have a favourite guest uh, or returning-ish recurring character? I feel like Charlie Murphy and Samuel Jackson. Rest in peace, Charlie because, Murphy. I don't know. I feel like their characters just 
really intrigued me. I like Riley's little adventures with like Ed Wansler and what's Samuel Jackson's character? Jin, Ginny. Oh, what is it? It's something Jin because he was. I was calling him Red. Jin Rummy. Yeah. So I was. Close. I said Jin. Jin <laughs> yeah. something. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed Jin and Ed Wansler and just the chaos that they got to, but also just the. I think there's not that many like white characters in the show that are like a super mainstay. And so I just found episodes with them in it when they talk about like their white privilege, but also just like their way of seeing the the world, I think was sometimes like kind of refreshing. Their influence on Riley and vice versa, um, Huey's view of them. Yeah. And also they're just really fun to listen to. <laughs> um, especially with the, all their like little stupid gags of like and always yeah, having like... <laughs> Um, some kind of like technology, whether it's like texting or whatever it was. Yeah, Ed Wunsler, which was Charlie Murphy's character, was actually based on George W. Bush, and Jin Rummy is based on Donald Rumsfeld, who was the Secretary of State, Sec- the United States Secretary of Defense for George Bush, I believe. It is references like this that makes me feel hella British, because you know I. We done some civil rights stuff at school history, but you know, a lot of the time I'm just like, oh, I have to Google this person. I don't know. Who were your favorite returning guests or guests? Uh, see, I was gonna say Charlie Murphy, just because I really firstly, there was the whole dynamic of the rich white guy who's acting gangster, for lack of a better term, despite the fact that they're clearly very well off. That you know, that I feel like later on, didn't they say the the, the granddad? I can't remember. I want to say Ed Senior. Doesn't he like deal with the finances of the whole town and things like that? Yeah. They're not just rich. And I, if I remember correctly, in the first episode, they made that joke about, oh, he's going to be the president. He's, my son's going. He's going to be president, and then he's still going to be stupid. So it's just that that thing of like the white person always fucking about and they just know they're going to be all right. But it wasn't done in a way that felt made you feel bitter or salty or anything like that. And and Charlie's Murphy's performance was just really good. So some Boondocks Awards, I will just read off. So they won Best Animated Show for the Scream Awards in 2010. They won a Peabody Award in 2006, 2007. They won Image Awards for a stand-in writing and comedy series, which is an NAACP Award in 2011. And they won a Television Voice Acting Award in the Behind the Voice Actors Awards in 2015, which went to Gary Williams. What I was quite shocked at, or maybe I shouldn't have been shocked, is the Boondocks' Rotten Tomatoes score. Oh, mystery. Which I believe was like, I think it was like 40-something. What? 48%. That is crazy to me. That is a critic score, that being said. And the audience score is about 81%. So there you go. Do the with critics, the information. What critics want. what critics are rating this 48%? Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should read some of those one of these days, but you know, who are these people? Who are critics? Do we trust critics? No. Before we start talking about actually episodes, is there anything you want to add or anything you wanna? Um I found it interesting. I had always felt this when I watched it, that each of the characters were like, well, the trifecta of the Freemans were all angry in different ways. And I felt really validated um, and like a proper critic when Aaron Magruder said that like when he was 
kind of creating the characters that he did base them on like a different types of like black rage essentially um and I feel like that's something that I find really important in work nowadays because I think like there's a lot to be angry about as a black person and I think sometimes we avoid that in media and so I don't know it feels very validating when you watch the boondocks that you're able to like laugh and stuff but you're also able to feel like justified in Mm. being angry about certain things and that that anger can look like different types of things so it could be like Riley you can just be ignorant and just you know try to get these like quick wins you can be like Huey where you get so angry that you kind of just get lost in the source of like systemic oppression and stuff and it means that you don't get to be a child or like you know you don't get to enjoy certain things in life because you just are looking at the system and how broken it is and I also think that like the boondocks and I'm sure we'll like get into this later as well I find it to be an important piece of like black work whether you're african-american or not because we don't have that many shows that delve into black issues specifically without this kind of weird white lens i'm sure you can watch the boondocks as a white like as a white person and still understand what's going on but there's not that many shows where they're talking about very very specific things to the black community that yeah, that you might not even get. And there's like different intersections of the black community or like even in the comics, like there's a whole segment of like Jasmine not thinking that she's black um, and identifying as like someone who's mixed race, but kind of denying her blackness and like denying that she has an Afro when she clearly has an Afro. And yeah, so it's like little things like that or like- Was that in the show as well? No, that wasn't in the show. Okay, I was gonna say. I I couldn't think of an example immediately in the show. Like, or even, yeah, just Uncle Ruckus's anti-blackness. Uh, everyone kind of knows someone, not obviously to that extreme, but everyone knows someone who's quite uncomfortable with the fact that they are a black person who caters to white people. And having him, like, sit alongside, like, Robert Freeman and they're kind of friends, but not really friends. Like, I feel like there's a sense of community um, and intra-blackness that you don't see that often. I mean that you're right. There, there literally isn't. I can't think. Of, I mean, again, we're not we're not from America, so maybe there are cartoons. I saw there was a Friday cartoon, and it was horrible. <laughs> we definitely don't have anything like this in Britain. No. So I think that's why. Like, even if I, even though I didn't get all of the references in this show, sometimes or had to look things up, I just find that very like inspiring. And I think that's why it's so. It's one of those shows that you can just watch over and over again, and each time like depending on the life stage that you're at. Because I feel like when I was watching it when I was younger, I was like having, engaging with the ideas that the show's presented in a completely different way to how I reflect on them now as someone who's like a lot older. I feel like I am becoming more and more of a Huey, but also some of me is becoming more of a grandpa actually nowadays where it's like, I just, I don't have time to be so angry all the time or like point out every little injustice because it's tiring so sometimes I just want to be like grandpa and I just want to be like I just want to live my nice life and buy a big house in Woodcrest and just get on with things I don't think I was ever Riley but no I think I've gone I think I've gone through all three I I think when I was when I first found the show when I was a teenager I was definitely definitely in my Huey phase I think what I really liked about the show is they don't really portray they don't portray Huey as right Mm -mm everyone has their kind of shortcomings and a lot of the time some of Huey's plights and his his battles in the context of the show 
are quite minimalized and it's just like okay Huey as in in regard in comparison to the other characters obviously us as the audience you know some people take on board more than others but yeah I kind of agree I feel like more like more of a granddad these days maybe not like online trying to get hookers mm. from dating <laughs> websites and, and things like that I would hope not <laughs> uh but yeah I mean we'll probably talk a bit more about the the uh, the characters but yeah season one so season one aired in 2005 to 15 episodes i believe you can force me to go but you cannot force me to be someone i'm not the hell i can't you're gonna go and you're not gonna embarrass me in front of my new neighbors or i'm gonna beat your ass why can't we be ourselves huh why can't i be me are you ashamed of us very we never asked to move here with your precious new white people granddad didn't ask well you didn't ask for us to be attacked by dogs and fire hoses so you can live here but we did it anyway here he goes we'll go through season one we'll talk about some of our favorite episodes some standout themes and some characters uh you know you you touched on it earlier but in season one Huey and Riley felt quite similar and just generally the quality of voice acting and even maybe it was just me, but I feel like the quality of the audio from my memory just was worse than season two and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this 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 season definitely had a good job at setting the tone where you kind of had an idea of what this show was going to be like. Mm-hmm. A lot of their episodes, I can't, I can't without, you, you know, when you get an episode of a show where it's like, this is an early season and then you get episodes where it's like, they're starting to have callbacks mm. and 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 you need prior knowledge. But this this season was very much a first season to me. And it was very I, I enjoyed it. Mm. It's not my favorite season, but I did enjoy this season. What are your thoughts on this season? I feel like season, the first ever episode really set like a tone with me personally, um, in terms of like interactions with white people. Um so when you have the beginning of the episode where Hugh is like kind of imagining white people losing their minds over the controversial statements that he's making, like that the government was responsible for 9-11 and all that kind of stuff. And then him actually meeting white people and then being completely different from what he thought they were going to be, because he's obviously grown up in Chicago and has not been around these like rich white people. I think that was something that really stayed with me in terms of I didn't grow up in a like majority white area, but I don't think until I moved to uni that I kind of came into, started to realize that like what I thought white people were like, and obviously white people are not monolith, but like there were certain things that I just didn't encounter until I was older. And there were like certain stereotypes or certain um, assumptions that I made about like how they would view me and like the thoughts that I had. So I found that interesting of just them like settling into like a brand new area and like how they're gonna navigate this world. Yeah, I mean, I I had a I grew up in the hood, so. But then if it, it it the thing what I really liked about this episode was it felt like it could have just been this could have just been a one shot this could have just been a YouTube short or mm-hmm. something like that, and it I I almost feel like this episode does kind of. Encapsulate the whole meaning of the show, almost mm-hmm. like I. I it, but yeah, it, this is an episode that really, even though it's not even my favorite episode, it is one that is. Fixing your mind. Yeah. yeah, I guess as a first episode, it would be bad if it wasn't doing any of that work. But it does, yeah, it does set up the identity of the show, um, and like some of the things that they're going to 
explore. What is another one that's a stand-up for me? Oh, the Martin Luther King episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think... I, I always think about that. And I think about that even in, like, the political climate that we are in now. Like, when you think about, like, the civil rights movement or just anything in the past where, like, actual change was made and then you compare it to now where it feels like everyone's more politically aware, but at the same time, it just feels like there's less and less change. There's less clear leaders. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you do always think about, like, would we be able to, like, even if there was some, if there is a Martin Luther King Jr. out there right now, how is he going to enact change in the same way? But also it's like, I don't know that people would be getting, like, assassinated <laughs> these days. I feel like the way that people, information or just movements are, like, suppressed nowadays are a lot more scary actually because it feels like they just don't get off the ground at all but yeah sometimes I do think about like well even just older generations like when you talk to your parents of like what they accepted or what they didn't accept compared to now I always think about like what is what are the conversations that would be happening if these greats came back and were talking to the black community and I think especially yeah I think it would be depressing yeah, I think this episode, it was very, I guess it was very large in the, the the sort of like theme that it wanted to talk about, literally being just, I don't know, like you said, the black black community and what, what like are issues because it is that sort of thing, like you said, of people always, people die for change mm-hmm. and a lot of people died for like change of black people and it is that thing of i mean it's it's a meme at this point martin luther king didn't die for this do you know mm-hmm. what i mean people literally made a joke about it but yeah this episode was really good don't know how i feel about him using the n-word so much yeah me too <laughs> i think that feels weird but also i think that sometimes we have a we preserve certain like figures that put change forward without thinking about like who they would be today or what they were actually like. We just think about, we associate them. Cause even when you think about like the way that Martin Luther King Jr. is like portrayed in America by people who would have hated him at the time of like being this peaceful figure. And it's like, was he really, was he really about that? Cause I feel like what I've read, he could have been about that life. Um, we don't know. Um, cause his story has, you know, been manipulated and stuff. So even though I hated it, I kind of see not the value of it, but like, it wasn't too jarring. Um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also I, I think what's really magical to me about that episode is that often like, you know, we have this whole narrative of like, not comfortably being able to like berate black people, <laughs> um, in public spaces or, you know, where, there are other races like observing us and stuff. But in that episode, it never really quite, it does feel like that, but it feels comfortable or like there's a certain trust that I have. I don't know if this is coming out very clear, but like a certain trust that I have in that episode to make those criticisms about black people. And I don't know whether, again, that comes back to like how intra-black the show is, that it can talk about these things without it feeling like uncomfortable, I guess. I mean, do you think that happens a lot in this show? Because I'm just thinking about that now. And a lot of the stereotypes and, and things like that in this show could could make white or other races say, oh, black people, even they say it's a black thing, mm-hmm. for example. Well, I don't know. I guess 
this show never feels like it's written for white people. So I feel like I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think when I am, when it's clear that a show is meant to be for everyone, like if Kenya Barish was like writing a show like this and it was exactly the same, but it was Kenya and like, obviously some of his like things that are like trademarks in his work, then I would feel uncomfortable. Whereas if this is like a black man talking to a black audience, yeah. Other people can be watching the show and say that, but I don't really care because it's not catered for them in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Um, what do you, what would you, what would you pick as a third highlight from this season? You've watched this more, like, so you Ram has watched one to three recently. I haven't, so a lot of this is from memory, uh, from myself. So I was just gonna pick um the Stink Mina episode, but it's I, I've just been a fan. I feel of like that's that a personal highlight. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I also just, I feel like. That's one of those timeless episodes that can translate today, especially, I mean, that episode came out in 2005. Mm. And in in this day and age, we still have these instances of people like getting into issues online, getting caught lacking in a fight. And then all of a sudden there's this online beef and then there's pride and ego involved, um, you know, and I just, I, it, it, it always felt quite relevant to me who's grown up in the hood and seen people do stupid things just because people are watching them and they feel shame and they have to, you know, get back. And sometimes it's not always the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, I think that's a personal highlight of mine. I feel like the ISIS for me is um, just because of gentrification, but also I think in the way that this show displays some of the like things that, are prevalent within the systems of white supremacy and stuff i feel like the sh- that is like one of the episodes that they talk about that very well without it feeling like they're bashing us over the head or feeling like it's taking over the whole episode because i find ed wants la senior's relationship with grandpa just intriguing and yeah i don't know that episode just reminds me of like for example like peckham being like this hot spot at the moment and how people go there for the culture i think feel like it's the same thing of like robert creating this amazing food that like attracts more people but then in the end ed wants to just uses that as a tool to ruin a neighborhood so that he can buy the land for cheaper and i think it's like little things like that i think we talk a lot about like everyday racism a lot which we should because you know microaggressions are like something that we shouldn't deal with on a daily basis being called the n-word all of that kind of stuff but also i think Sometimes it's just important to, as scary and as uncomfortable and like as powerless as it can make you feel thinking about the the kind of more insidious, like systemic things. And I feel like that's what you get to see with the Wanslers all the time. And I just find that so, I, I don't want to say interesting because it happens in real life, but yeah. it's just like, I just find that an interesting way to to showcase that kind of stuff. Because I think, again, in a lot of like media that we have, it's like we talk about the racists who are like out proud but we don't talk about like class i guess this goes more into class really than it does like racism itself obviously the two things like hold hands um but i think yeah it's like playing with those ideas of like the 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 race class divide i mean but also i wanted to try some of those that food (laughs) i was gonna say you put a better argument than me for for bear episode when I was watching this as a child, I definitely was not thinking about all of these things. I was taking the episode very literally for what, and I was enjoying it, but I don't think I was engaging with it. So that's why it was interesting to watch it as an adult, because I was like, oh, shit, yeah. That's interesting. I do feel as a teenager, I, maybe maybe some of 
some of the nuance or some of the depth in some of the messages I didn't get, but I always felt like I understood enough to be like, that is the moral of the 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 show. But like you said, again, um, about the animation style and things like that, you can, even without foot, there's going to be enough in an episode for you to kind of follow, even if you're not really interested in some of the more, more like deeper themes. Mm. But yeah, season one, I liked it. I do, from memory, I do feel like there just was less life in some of the characters, mm. especially you know, we spoke about Riley and, and Huey, but I think that was just down to the voice acting. I just, I have vivid memories of them just being a lot more, like having a lot more life in them in the later seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, from your recent viewing, any other character, any character, character, character characteristics or character traits stuck out to you in season one? I guess Huey's like just general morality. And him kind of being that person in the middle of like grandpa's views and like Riley's views. I think that was really important to set up in this first season while we're still getting to know the characters and stuff. And it's like thinking about like him in the Return of the King episode and how he motivates like Dr. King to not just, you know, die down basically and just like come back to himself or like in the ISIS episode where he's talking about unions and again in the um, in the block is hot episodes as well where he's talking about like you know just dropping the knowledge and all that kind of stuff yeah that that always stands out to me but also it's just like that in the face of the fact that in the first episode he had all these presumptions about white people's reactions to his politics and they don't react like that i mean they were, they um, were clapping weren't they yeah they literally <laughs> like oh what a well-spoken uh, young man blah, blah 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 and all that kind of like patronizing stuff so um yeah, I, I found that stands out. And Riley is just Riley. I, I feel like there's, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the thing is with Riley is he is, if you were to look at a black stereotype, Riley is probably the most commonly known. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have to do less work with someone like Riley. Yeah. Uh, was there a Gangsta Delicious episode yes. in this season? Yes. Yeah, so I feel like there was... I wouldn't say like the immediate breakdown of his character, but you know, when someone is so certain in who they are and then the show's like doing its job of kind of calling into question some of the like, you know, mottos and whatever you, you live by. And I feel like Riley had that off the rip, but he's definitely like, he definitely showed nuance the earliest I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that. Um, I feel like Riley often comes into, and he, this is something Huey tries to do for him, but I feel like Riley just has to learn it himself of just like comes into like he has these like ideals like you said that don't really are very fragile let me say (laughs) and he still refuses he has to live and die by them but he'd rather just make up a reason for example when he finds out that Gangstalicious is gay like he just is like no that didn't happen he was like I had a weird dream that that happened because he can't and I think it it reminds me of like you know like the whole manosphere conversations that people have of like this idea of masculinity or whatever, like you can change that. You know, you're in charge of yeah, that, yeah. but it's like, you are so pinned on this thing that some other man from how many ever years ago said that that's what it's like to be a man. So you're like, well, I I have to do that no matter what, even if it's harmful. Yeah. Should we move on to season two? Yeah. My personal favorite. I think I actually, I would almost two. argue that season two is just objectively the best one. I would agree, actually. Oh, it just felt like the show was really in full agree. swing. Yeah, I feel like it. It, it, it had. Um, it it set the tone. We've been we've we've been introduced to enough characters. 
now like they can go full force. Um, this season aired in 2007. So literally, what, a year after the end of the first season? I guess we'll just go through episode highlights. Of it. I mean, firstly, is there, do, so do, many do, do, you, do you recall any like any tonal shifts or anything between seasons? I feel like one and two always have felt like a pair compared to like if we're looking at all four as a whole. I feel like they felt like a pair, but I do feel like this season touched on things in a more specific way. I don't really know how to phrase that. Season two just feels neater. It feels neater and it feels better explored. Yeah, it feels... Yeah, I agree. Even though it is still epistolic, I get what you're saying. It, yeah. does feel, it just feels a bit more um, connected, I It suppose. just feels like all the threads are very neat, whereas in season one, I think the thread sometimes could be maybe like a little bit stretched or a little bit janky. Yeah, in this season, it just feels like everything's like a perfectly layered rainbow cake. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I'm I'm going to have a hard time naming top highlights because I like all of them. Yeah, this was a this was a very strong... Um... Like, literally all of them. Like, I could talk about every single... Okay, and yeah. No, I like all of them. Okay. Should we, <laughs> should we play what we'd like the least then? I guess Ballin. Because that's just like a... I enjoy the episode, but it's just a fine episode. Yeah, what that... That was the woman with the girl, right? Cindy. Yeah, yeah, with, uh, Cindy yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that episode was so like. It's quite random for the rest of the season. I guess there's like, we have these moments of character growth for Riley, and in those episodes that are specifically about Riley, and this is probably one of them, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. especially of him being like, you know, he, he's got quite a big ego, which there's nothing wrong with that because I love to see a confident black boy, but he also is very selfish, and I feel like this season he kind of learned that, you know, he he had all that skill, he had all the tool, but he didn't have anything to back it up. And like him slowly learning how to work in the team. Um, yeah, it was cool. And also, I just really love when he shit talks Cindy. I don't know why. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was being annoying. I mean, I kind of agree. I don't I think that is probably the only episode that I could probably skip. Yeah. I guess also Tom Sarah and Usher is not not an episode that I care about that much. yeah that was a really i i think it's i think it was just because of the or the audacity of the episode itself mm. that it was entertaining mm. <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense yeah. it, it does it, it it was one of those ones that's just like but then also there might be some sort of dynamic between usher like what mm. americans think of usher i don't know like do you know what i mean like because i was just like okay now i think you have to pick one top episode you can't maybe we'll, we'll do one each we'll do one each <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in, uh, you know I'm gonna say stick me in a strike yeah, again. Yeah. That's personal, but that's also like the first ever, the first ever Boondocks, the Boondocks episode I've ever watched, and I was just I was just blown away. I think also just like the animation of it all was very like beautiful to watch. To be honest, the drama of it all, the tone of the episode was just sick. It was cool, um, and stick me is just wild. Yeah, stink like me is I, I I don't even wanna. Quote some of the stuff he says, <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and also him just taking over Tom as like, but if, if anyone to get yeah, taken over, yeah. like Tom is the most like opposite to Stink Mina ever. Um, so it's interesting to see him in a different, yeah, in a different type of role. And also people just not listening to Huey, which always happens. But I think in this episode is like he actually gets um some 
props, I guess, for not being listened to because there are consequences to not listening to Huey in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. I want to give an honourable shout out as well to the story of Catcher Freeman because that is that was going to be my third the, episode, the, the absurdism of that episode just always cracks me up, and a big part of like Uncle Ruckus humour is just like it's that roll your eyes like oh my god like he just said that what can he say next that like, is yeah. just so outrageous and. This whole story of Catcher Freeman, his Arcus's rendition just cracks me up. Mm. <laughs> it, um, it just cracks me up. <laughs> I think also what I really love, I I think looking at the list now, I'm like, I think that is maybe my favorite episode because um this is my biggest criticism of the Boondocks as a black woman is like there's not that many black women in the show. Like I can't really think of any that are like a recurring character. Like it's usually one one episode, and sometimes they don't have the best portrayals so I did like the kind of like implications of like this woman being the one who was actually leading this revolution and her history getting buried essentially um with everyone having their own different versions but also as someone who's not African-American as well I think it also made me just think about like the stories that you have to tell yourselves to like kind of reclaim history that you don't necessarily know um and how that means you might have like various different versions of this one story that there's like probably some truth in there but you just kind of adapt it based on the thing that's going to make you feel the best or feel rooted in your ancestry like you know the way that to granddad like catcher freeman is like an absolute g like because he is descended from him and then you know whereas uncle ruckus like is a hater um, and hates black people so he's got a completely different wildly racist version of that story and then even like riley's little like at the very end of the episode of him being like i got my own version and he's got guns and, blah, blah, blah. and it's like you're just thinking about what kind of story is riley gonna tell his kids yeah when he grows up like what kind of versions like well Humi's just gonna tell them the truth but i think yeah that made me think a lot of just like our personal histories you know, I never thought about that, especially the whole women in women in boondocks, actually. That is quite interesting. I always think about it. It's like I try not to think about it too much because I also, you know, like we've got stuff like insecure nowadays and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think that there's that many black male shows. And I, I think nowadays I am trying to do be more mindful of like Aaron Magruder is a man, he's writing from like a male perspective. So maybe he just doesn't feel comfortable writing about women or like he that's not the people that he's yeah. got in mind so it's not as well, yeah guess. and the time exactly so it's not like something that i'm like oh, i'm never gonna watch this show but it's something that i do think about where i'm like oh where are the women yeah it's true i mean i i think if if the show came back they would probably bring more women because i'm just thinking about like the show started in 2005 mm, yeah. and the comic was what 1996 or seven uh yeah so season three season three i believe there was a two-year gap between two and three uh three from my memory i remember being really hyped for it because i started watching it in two as mentioned before then i went back and watched one then i watched two again and then i heard that three was a thing i remember the trailer with ruckus throwing the darts at the post of obama like i i I vividly remember sitting at my old pc and just watching it this this season, it it was. It's not as strong as season two. <laughs> it's not as strong, and it's a bit more all over the place. I think. Yeah, I think this this season really felt like, and I wouldn't. I don't want to say Aaron was running out of ideas, but like running out of ideas that fit in the theme of the show. Mm-hmm. 
in the style that it did almost mm. like like you say it feels more i wouldn't say it just feels more like a it, it feels more random yeah, which which is that. which is interesting because of how random season 4 felt but Aaron's still part of the project here but we'll talk a bit about that uh episode 1 the it's a black president Huey Freeman is a great episode yeah. Is that what you're gonna? Sorry. Yeah. No, it yeah. is a good episode. It's that's um, the one where everyone's like, is that one magnificent? It's like, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Yeah, I found that to be again, like I keep saying this, like you know, we don't have that many shows that talk about like that are very specific for a black audience and talking about like things that we're talking about as black people to each other. So I found this like to be such an interesting episode. Obviously, again, we're British. We've never had a black minister so i don't know exactly what conversations people were having in america but i know that like if there was a black person running unless it was certain people like for the most part you'd you you know we always want to root for people because they're black and i find it funny that like so many of the people in that episode are like trying to come up with reasons for why they're voting for obama yeah um and then you have Two, the two youngest people in the show, so Huey and Riley. Riley is being truthful of saying, I vote for him because he's black. And then you have Huey, who's just not that impressed. And everyone's shocked that he should be because it's the first black president. What do you mean? And he's, and got, he's Huey. Yeah. Those two reactions are just, um, yeah, very interesting to me. I think the back and forth of Grandad and the cameraman being like, I'm voting for Obama because he's going to pull the troops out of Iraq. And then they're like, no, he's not going to do that. And he was like, well, what the hell am I voting for this guy? Um, there's like little things. And I think, yeah, as black people, as a community, you know, we always want to support each other, like I just said. But I think sometimes it, it's interesting to see on TV those conversations that we don't necessarily have um, mm. or we don't hear about um, or we don't talk that comfortably, comfortably about when it comes to like other black people um, and having like criticisms of them. And how, you know, we kind of can like try to bend over backwards to just support something because it's black. Um, which, of course, like we've had to do that because everyone else is trying to tear us down. But, um, wow, I've been saying really extreme statements <laughs> this whole episode. Damn. But like, you know, in, in the theme of things. And then, yeah, I think it's just it, you get like a real spectrum of like everyone who may or may not vote as a black person. And they're like different politics, um, you know, like significant suddenly turning from someone who was very ignorant of what was going on to trying to portray himself as this like super learned person. Uncle Ruckus being racist, of course. And then also just the documentary maker just being absolutely, because I think everyone's so used to Huey just being Huey. So it's funny to see someone who doesn't know Huey just being like absolutely like tearing his hair out that this child is just not giving him anything. Like he's the most depressed child he's ever seen. And I think it's like funny because I feel like a lot of people don't, we kind of forget that he is a child so it's like when you see a stranger interact with him um because yeah i'm and also it's it's that thing of seeing the person who you might think is like the revolutionary and it's like well on the outside looking in you just you just look like a sad little boy Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially (laughs) essentially I mean, um, some of no, this season. No, I'm, the more I'm looking at it, this season wasn't too bad. I really enjoyed that episode, the Red Ball. Yeah. But that was just because it was it was good. It was very anime. Yeah, it was a good anime esque episode. Um, and as a theme, again, I, clearly I like Ed Wentzler episodes too because I just like seeing that class commentary. 
yeah I, I think that was a good episode yeah this season i don't think it was a bad season but like you said it was very random which is weird feel, to, beautiful time yeah, yeah it just felt like some of the themes were not fully fleshed out or like fully realized smoking, Smoke, with, smoking cigarettes, with cigarettes, cigarettes. It's, that's up there as well yeah and i like the little like themes of kind of like bad baby sort of like bad, be, being bad and going viral mm. and, and and it's like no know that this child needs help sort of thing you know yeah and i think also like especially in a time where we've got so many children who are on the internet you just yeah. see like a little snip of like ah, look at this kid yeah. being a smart ass and then it's like you found out he killed his grandma mm-hmm. and then like why are we why is this just entertainment like when does it stop yeah being funny and like actually maybe we should intervene and get this child some help but also it was like quite any episode where you see riley's like morals being tested is interesting because Riley is again like you know we've said he's quite selfish he's got like a very set view of like what what who he wants to be and nothing is going to change that even if he sees things that contradict that but it was interesting seeing him like be with a child that is bad and him being like "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh like I when he's like I hung out with Milton and he was like yeah I'm gonna take myself to bed and actually I'm gonna whip my own ass as well yeah, no, I was just going to say the Color Ruckus was a good... It, just in terms of a, a character episode, mm. uh, I love an episode where you've had a character for so long and there's a question and you finally get the answer to the question. And I feel like as well, just the way that episode... His mum had blonde hair? Was it his grandma that had blonde hair? One of them had blonde hair. Yeah. But like, just, I feel like not. it's not relatable to me, but it, it just felt like a reality that a lot of people live and I'm I'm someone who always tries to understand someone, no matter what kind of person they are, what makes them that person, what sort of trauma or or whatever have you has has made that person that person. And I think for me, it was just interesting to see um, Uncle Ruckus's upbringing and the, the the abuse he went through. And it, I just feel like, yeah, that must be a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just a note, actually, which I've just realised. Uh, in the first two seasons, I believe Aaron Magruder wrote the story, but Barnes did the screenplays for most of them. Uh, but in season three, it seems like he may have just written and done the screenplays for most of the episodes. So, I mean, do you think that that may have had a effect on the quality of the show? I mean, uh, not in regards to his writing. I know Magruder's always said his art has never been the strongest, mm-hmm. but that is quite a clear difference between the other the other seasons and mm-hmm. this one so I was just curious if maybe that maybe that would make sense yeah that's true I never I never really thought about that <laughs> I mean uh, you do writing stuff more than me but I can imagine if you're someone who usually just does the story mm-hmm. and someone's literally doing the play-by-plays and then, mm-hmm. then you've come to do the play-by-plays maybe it's something that you're not yeah because I personally find screenplays really difficult to write I think they stress me out because there's such a like a strict structure of how you should write a screenplay mm-hmm. whereas when you write everything else it's very much like up to you so maybe that is what it is where like Barnes was maybe like tightening certain things up or like thematically tying things together who knows um, yeah or it could have been just at this stage like you know it's 2010 Aaron Magruder was just feeling the fatigue yeah, yeah I mean that's that's a reality as well um, let's quickly gloss over season four. Uh, you didn't watch it, so you're not going to have an opinion. I loved it. No, this <laughs> season four did come out four years after season three without Aaron Magruder 
Although I believe that he had some involvement in maybe at, at least one episode. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, I think he did, and but he didn't want his name to be attached to it at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that came out. It got a bad reception. Ram hasn't even watched it. I can barely remember it. So sorry to our listeners who really wanted us to discuss season four and how great it was, but it's not going to happen today. I will try and, if I can remember some of the decent episodes, the Pretty Boy Flizzy episode was good. Yeah, the Breaking, there was a Breaking Grandad episode, which was like based on Breaking Bad. I I think a lot of my issue with this season is it felt like late game family guy it felt like that point of where the characters are just they're almost the show is almost parodying itself mm-hmm. and then it's just i mean the show's had instances of this before where it's like picking on um its inspirations you mentioned about john witherspoon sometimes quoting other characters or i can't remember what episode it is but i'm pretty sure there's an episode that has gin rummy literally interrogating Riley like he's from Pulp Fiction like mm-hmm. he, like it's, yeah, yeah all, all, all of those sort of um uh things but it, it just felt like this it felt like season four was just again it's just parodying itself the characters felt a bit soulless the, the writing felt lazy I guess it's that thing that you said about some of the thoughts not some of the themes not being fully realized in season three but to like turned up to a thousand and as we've done this podcast episode actually i find myself a bit more fond of um season three than i thought but yeah that's it oh there was an episode when granddad dates a fake kardashian and then her booty explodes and then she's not a real kardashian uh i mean just from reading the summaries this this feels more topical (laughs) and exactly what aaron magruder said he was trying trying to to avoid avoid, to make the show feel timeless like um, I feel like all of the other episodes, even if they do have like, you know, references that are a little bit dated, even the Obama one, but that's like a historical moment that people are going to be talking about for years and years. Like the yeah. Kardashians might just run out of like, like they're not who are they in the grand scheme of things. Um, Breaking Bad is very specific. Like I, I can imagine in a hundred years, people will be like, what is that? <laughs> um, or not understanding that reference. So, And even like there's a, there's the, this, this Siri episode and, and like, you can think go back to when, you know, he when Granddad first got shown MySpace, but there was just some life to that, and it wasn't the it wasn't the whole crux of 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 the episode. Mm-hmm. It's not Granddad is on MySpace, and exactly that, like you said, it just felt it feels topical, and and there's no there's no depth and 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 layers to episodes. You know, like your B plots. It's all it all just got really lazy. I remember watching this episode this season and just being like, damn, wow. Yeah, and it really felt like that this is the end. So we can talk a bit about season four about Aaron McGruder leaving. Allegedly, he was fired. Allegedly, because he wasn't working fast enough. <laughs> um, there is some speculation that I think it was Rodney Barnes. I want to say he wasn't happy with Rodney Barnes working on Black Dynamite, which is not Rodney Barnes, Carl Jones, sorry, which is a bit catty, but there was a bit of a fallout between them two. I think Carl wanted to come back and he didn't, Aaron didn't want him to come back because he didn't want him working on multiple things. But I guess due to the success of the Boondocks, 
this, you know, the Sony was going to make as many seasons as it as as it could, but obviously season four didn't do well, so it held off. There were some emails that were leaked as well, just basically talking about Aaron Magruder from like some of the people who were in power, or whatever. Specifically, like belittling him um, in terms of like his like they basically. I think it was something along the lines along uh, along the lines. Don't quote me. Allegedly. Of them saying, like, you know, so glad that we've gotten rid of this lazy guy. Like, he doesn't write fast enough, blah, blah, blah. So that didn't look very well for Sony. Yeah, now there was a lot of... those. This is, unfortunately, one of those shows where there's a lot of behind-the-scenes um, stuff. I think around season four development as well, um, Uncle Ruckus, Aaron was trying to do the Kickstarter for the movie. And I do believe there was some... Even on top of the emails, there was some, like, stuff that was, like, that... Aaron didn't like I think Sony announced that season four was coming and didn't tell them or you know little things little things like that essentially but you know he he got shafted season four came up it was bad Uh, it was and then you know looking at the behind the scenes you can see why it was bad Mm -hmm. the show was renewed for a fifth season which was supposed to be in production in 2018 but unfortunately as of February of this year it has been cancelled Gary Williams said in an interview that it was either HBO or Sony that cancelled the show and that he'd actually already voiced eight episodes. Again, he cited the reason for this being the show taking too long to make. I'm not sure if Aaron was tagged for season five, if he was going to come back. I think he was, actually. I did see somewhere that Boondocks was, like, Adult Swim's most expensive cartoon to make. Yeah. So it's it's one of those unfortunate things where you have a good thing and you realize all the all the all the work that goes into it. Oh, I forgot to say as well, there were banned episodes, four banned episodes, two in season two and two in season three, which is interesting that season one got away with it. Honestly, there it's not as salacious as you would think. Uh, season two, the Uncle Ruckus reality show, and the Hunger Strike, both banned because of their depictions of BET, allegedly. Season three, we had Pause and the story of Jimmy Rebel. Pause was clearly about Tyler Perry. So they, 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 there's a reason for that one there. And the story of Jimmy Rebel, I believe people weren't happy with how racist it was, ironically. Like, it's over the top almost uh, in, in regards to the the, the singer who was actually based on white supremacist singer Johnny Rebel. Back to the fifth season. Can I ask you, how do you think it would fare in today's climate if it did actually come for in, come back? Bearing in mind, there's eight episodes apparently that exist already. I really don't know. Um, Actually, you know what? If a show like Velma can come out, I feel like the Boondock should be able to come out. Because... Velma to me was quite like an offensive show but it was also just very terribly written and I feel like the boondocks yeah I feel like I think there'd be certain things that would have to change I think like you know there's a lot of like homophobic commentary in the show but I feel like it's intentional though yeah but I I feel like it's kind of self-aware so I feel like it, it could be it, it I don't feel like it's ever homophobic for the sake of being homophobic I feel like it's sometimes taking a look into certain sections of the black community but I do think sometimes it like some episodes it was a bit it was walking the line a little bit and so yeah I think that 
Yeah, there would have to be some conversations about certain episodes, but I think that it would. In fact, I almost think that we need it because, again, you know, and I keep coming back to this, like we don't have that many shows nowadays that are very specifically for black audiences talking about things that black people talk about to each other that are not, you know, in some way for white people. And I think, you know, we have shows like for black boys, for example, um, which is a play that we talked about not too long ago. And that is another show that reminds me of the boondocks you know different vibes completely but it is very much a love letter to black men specifically and it doesn't shy away from topics that are quite difficult to talk about that are uncomfortable to talk about I think it it does so for example in for black boys in a more poetic and like more empathetic way possibly whereas I think the boondocks can be quite like cynical yeah cynical but I think I think we need that I think that there's you know we we shouldn't be consuming the same types of black content. I think we should be able to critique our community and also look at the aspects of our community that are not so great. I think especially in, you know, this era of like Manosphere talks and stuff, this is a show that could be for people who are kind of seeking um, male role models. I wouldn't say necessarily that, you know, you need to be a Riley or a Huey and stuff, but I think it just makes you think about like who you are as a black person, the politics and the experiences that you have, why mm. other black people are the way that they are. I think, um, and there's no one in the show, even though, you know, uh, Riley makes decisions that I don't agree with. I don't think they paint Riley as like the bad guy with no. the wrong opinions or granddad as a bad guy with the wrong opinions. Even Uncle R- Ruckus, like he's over the top, but you, you feel sorry for him more than you feel. You feel sorry and outraged for him, but you you never feel, he's, he's not a complete villain in the show. I mean, um, he's helped. The, yeah, the Freemans a lot, exactly. you know. So I think, yeah, I I would say that, yeah, we need a show like this to be honest, because I can't really think of anything else that's out there right now that is <clears throat> anywhere near what like the Boondocks has done for my mind. And I'm like a woman, and there's barely any women in the show to relate to, but just like the wider conversation about like black politics and all that kind of stuff, there's not really that much out there. What do you think? No, I, 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 I totally agree. I think this is the era. I mean, we're in this era of like, there's censorship, but there's not. So it's like you said, things like Velma exist. There's these, these, these adult cartoons exist. And I feel like a lot of them, I mean, Bojack is another example of these shows that can entertain, but also touch on certain issues that are quiet. They're, they're quite complex but also quite I wouldn't say people don't want to talk about them but I wouldn't kind of uncomfortable in this day and age as well everything is when something is diverse it always is trying to go all in on the quote-unquote wokeness if you know what I mean and sometimes life is not like that you, you do you know what I mean and and there is something there was a very like this real kind of feeling to boondocks and I feel like that is what's that's what's needed today mm-hmm. you know we don't need everyone to well people should be friendly to each other but not like kumbaya sort of like we can do better like inspirational hollowness mm-hmm. like boondocks had the minus four season it, it, it had such a heart and soul to it and mm-hmm. i feel that all everyone involved in the show from from the writers to the actors they really loved they really loved it. i mean look how many guests they got to come on you know mm-hmm. i i think it should come back it's a it's a it's a darling it's a mm. darling i think also just like based on like touching on what you said 
like everyone is so much in their own circles that I think mm. sometimes we don't know how to have conversations with people that don't necessarily like share our politics. Yeah. And I think like, you know, those conversations might be uncomfortable, but they don't have to be hard. They don't have to be an argument. They don't have to be like a Twitter argument. Like obviously there's some people that you just can't chat to who, you know, invalidate you as a person. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about like people that you you can have these discussions with that maybe we're not having them with because we're everyone's immediately got like their defenses up or we just are we don't know them like or we have like isolated them so because like me and my brother have arguments all the time about the manosphere and stuff but I always think about like if I didn't know my brother would we be having this conversation yeah. would I be able to have um, the patience yeah would I have the patience mm -hmm. and there are some people who aren't even having these conversations with their family members who are in that way and I'll just immediately be like, yeah, we're never talking because we don't share the same views. And I think like I something that I've realized this year, and I think also it's through talking, like watching videos like FD Signifier, for example, I think he comes at everything from a very empathetic way, even though he's, you know, on the like leftist tube and stuff. And he has his specific politics. I feel like even when he's talking about stuff like the manosphere, sorry, I keep coming back to that, but that's like the most relevant topic. Like there is a sense of, him being able to also look at where other people are coming from and that just means that his when he makes these critiques it's just so much more like the conversations much richer mm -hmm. and it's like when I've had those conversations with my brother of like why do you watch this stuff it's like figuring out like oh this is what is missing from you and that's why this is appealing for you and I'm telling you why I think maybe like you should be watching this and um, you know there's a conversation that we're having so we're able to like at least be at the same table Whereas, yeah, I, I can imagine if I was just like, you are wrong! Like, we're just, yeah, it's a different result. And I feel like, yeah, having, everyone's got a Riley, everyone's got a Huey. Like, you kind of need those people to position yourself. My last question, Ken, you don't have to answer it. What would be, just think of, come up with one episode that would make an entertaining season five premise for you. Um... I still think it's the manosphere stuff, the masculinity stuff. Because, um, like we mentioned earlier about like Riley, of him being so set on like what it is to be hard, to be a gangster, and him seeing like, for example, like Gangsalicious being gay and him not being able to accept that, or like little things contradicting themselves of like him joining Fugnificent's gang and then getting like beaten up. I think that there's like a real need to have that conversation in an art space that is not YouTube. <laughs> I, as I think about it, the more I realize there hasn't been, I, I still not counting season four, there hasn't been a boondocks on air in what, like over 10 years. Mm. And there's just been so much that's happened in the black community. And I'm gonna stick to the US just for the sake of the show, but then my US knowledge is quite bad. So, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just think about the emergence of like mumble rap, Mm, yeah, that would be social cool. media in general I don't really feel like they touched on social media you got Trump you've got Biden there's so many you the know Black Lives Matter movement yeah you got Will Smith slapping Chris Rock but I would I would like I would say a first episode of the season to be about them on social media the Freemans not Huey and just like Riley can do his manosphere stuff. 
granddad could be, I don't know, like an OnlyFans simp or something. <laughs> and then Huey could like be, Huey could be the one that doesn't engage in social media. Oh, that's a good idea. So me, me, Huey doesn't engage in social media. And then as he's trying his best not to engage and boycott social media, Riley starts to kind of outthink him and like say things before he's going to say it. Mm. And he's like, when did you get so learned? And then Riley's like, on social media. <laughs> and then maybe Huey realizes that he's not as as not as unique, but you know what I mean? You can have that. And then Riley thinking that he's unlocked life and he hasn't. And then Granddad just doing classic, this girl loves me. Oh no, <laughs> she wants my money. You can I'm sure there's nuances to OnlyFans sex work that's different to normal sex work. Talking about the first season. And then and then yeah. So I think that'd be a good episode and it would be a good, a good set season setup because you can branch out of that afterwards mm. and have other stories. So, yeah. I want to see love. Oh yeah. Bring a woman in. Black love. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think they should bring in like one of granddad's daughters. That's like the, the brother's auntie. Not Yeah. Their mm, auntie. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know what kind of character she'd be though. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add with the, for the boondocks? Just go watch it. There's still clips on episodes on YouTube. I won't say which channel in case they get cancelled, but that person is doing the Lord's work. Oh my God. And so you should hop on YouTube and and watch the episodes if you can. Yeah, I just miss the boondocks. I miss having a show like it. And I'm sure, you know, there's someone out there writing their version of the boondocks, but I just, I yeah, I miss that kind of very, almost gatekept type of work. yeah because it's like yeah. again like i said i'm sure white people watch the show it obviously got a lot of like critical acclaim and stuff but there's just something so nice about watching something and knowing that it's made specifically for you mm. and that's like me speaking as someone who's black british and so not even african-american yeah and i just we don't have enough of that on tv at the moment i agree i agree um yeah episode a lovely thoughtful boondocks episode we had a lot to talk about i feel like we haven't even scratched the surface no really. we haven't it's so, sad. Um, it's so sad there's loads of amazing analysis videos on the boondocks so if you've never actually watched the boondocks before i'd really recommend um going to watch those if you're a big fan of the boondocks let us know what your favorite episode is and yeah we'll see you next time see ya oh i almost said the n-word <laughs> 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 Almost. I'm leaving either. <laughs> in, in a stink mean accent is what I'm like. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Nerd Alternative. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review. You can find more of us on Twitter at The Nerd Alternative without the E after the N, Instagram and TikTok at The Nerd Alternative, as well as our YouTube channel. Peace out until next time.